The, the prospects of lower interest rates has propelled global stock and bond markets to deliver very, very strong returns for, for the quarter and in the year to date. And that sentiment has spilled over into South Africa, where we've seen a stronger rand and contained inflation has given the South African Reserve Bank room to potentially start cutting rates. Joining me to discuss the uh, South African fixed interest environment and, more importantly, our outlook for these markets going forward is Coronation Portfolio Manager Mara Longano. Welcome, Mara, and thanks for joining me. Thanks, Hirsch. Good to be here. Let's just start very quickly talking global and local economy, just doing a health check on that, and in particular, why are we seeing so much sentiment at the moment that central banks around the world can become a lot more dovish? So, as you correctly said, I think the Federal Reserve changed its stance a bit earlier in the year and did become more dovish, and that was largely on the back of the trade tensions that we saw materializing earlier. And really, while some of that sort of lower growth and lower inflation, which came through at that point, has subsequently recovered, I think the Fed is not reacting to the data that it sees currently, but rather to expe- expectations going forward. So trade tensions haven't dissipated, and the outlook for inflation still remains muted. And that's really what they want to try address. Rather be a little bit preemptive and act cautiously into this uncertain period. And really what we saw was that that filtered into risk assets. U.S. Treasuries dipped below 2%, and that created just a better environment for EM assets around the world. And we saw our own bonds, our own 10-year bond move below 8.6%. And as you as you said earlier, the RAND moved below 14 And what that has done is made the our own Saab reflect more carefully on their position. So we've just seen the 25 basis points rate cut. And that largely came about because of anchored inflation expectations and a supportive global environment, which means they can be a little bit more accommodative when it comes to lower growth. Now, we we talked about the Fed and the expectations from the beginning of the year being where the Fed was going to raise to the Fed uh, lowering. The expectations are, I think, uh, amongst market participants of four cuts. Do you think that's overdone, given the fact that we don't see a crumbling economy? I think that's fair. Um, The Fed has indicated by its own measures that it's probably looking at two cuts, 25 to 50 basis points. As you correctly highlighted, the market's probably pricing in four interest rate cuts at the moment. So the risk is definitely to the upside for bond yields. If those don't materialize, you can definitely see the US 10-year normalizing well above 2% and risk assets will follow in that in that direction. So certainly there is a risk there. In South Africa, we've just seen the 25 bips cut. Uh, I mean, what are, is it too early to ask what our expectations are going forward? What more can we see from, from the Reserve Bank? So... Our expectation currently is for another 25 basis points cut before the end of the year. And again, I think the the Reserve Bank will remain uh, data-driven. They'll keep considering all the information, but um, certainly our expectations are also in line with what the market is currently pricing in, another 25 basis points cut. Um, now, let's just talk about local fixed income assets. How, how, what, what type of performance have we seen from our assets over, over the course of this period? So, despite the more supportive global environment, it has been tough to beat cash. We've seen, we've seen bonds return above 11%, and as I mentioned, that was partly due to the dovish stance which the Fed, Fed took. 
But yeah, inflation linkers continue to be weak. And then property remains a weak asset class, and I think we still remain cautious on that, but there has been selective value to be had. I mean, that, that, uh, to talk about listed property a bit, that probably has been the most devastating part uh, for 2018 and, and a bit of 2019 in the fixed income space. Uh, for the decade prior to that, property, listed property returns being quite a stellar outperformer and actually providing really good real returns into the portfolio. And, and we've really seen that sector come off. Um, I mean, how are we positioned going forward? What are our expectations from that asset class going forward? So, again, when I think we speak about listed property, we need to just make it clear that we, we, we take it from a bottom-up perspective. So we are, we are bottom-up investors and we pride ourselves on, on stock selection. So the asset class, one could, based on our broad expectations, one can expect 0 to 4% dividend growth. Currently, the sector is probably trading on a 9% yield. So optically, it looks attractive. But if those growth expectations do not materialize, that obviously is a risk for yields and total return going forward. And bearing in mind, we are not focused on yields specifically or growth. We look at property from a holistic total return perspective. So where we have added exposure in individual names, it is because we have done the fundamental research to justify the current growth profile, and we feel that the yield is reflective of the underlying fundamentals. Well, what do you think of uh, are the biggest risks facing, you know, the global as well as, I suppose, the local economy? Maybe start, let's just start global. So I think trade wars, trade tensions, however you want to refer to it, certainly remain a risk for the, the foreseeable future. Then the IMF estimated that you know, escalation in tariffs could take 80 basis points of global growth. And yeah, that has an impact on trade, but it also has an impact on confidence and sentiment. And that ultimately is you know, not positive for, for emerging markets. And we've also seen that central banks, not just in the US, but in Europe and globally, have also started to become more cautious on, on growth going forward. And then there's also political events such as Brexit in October and the ramification that that has for international markets. So I, there's, there's still a lot to be be concerned about. I mean, maybe just to contextualize for listeners, uh, 80 basis points of global growth doesn't sound like a lot. Um, but uh, I mean, what are we what are what are sort of the expectations of global growth um, prior to that? So your global growth expectations would have probably been in the region of two to 3%. So so, so it's, it's, it's a third to half. Exactly. So that's to contextualize the seriousness of the, the trade wars and the, and the impact of confidence that we're seeing. And also our expectations for grow, growth locally for this year is only 0.7%. So yeah, within our own context, that's, that's significant. I think everyone probably agrees that geopolitical risks around the world seem to be at some of their highest levels that we've seen, because it's not just Brexit, it's across various uh, countries, geographies, and in different ways. What impact do you see that having into the South African economy, if at all? What we've found in the past is that political uncertainty dampens confidence. And confidence ultimately is the driver of growth. So as you see that political uncertainty filter through into underlying business and consumer confidence, that ultimately affects the various components of, of GDP growth. So that is really where I think we see the, 
the most significant effect from from political uncertainty going forward is actually the economic impact that has from a confidence perspective. And then just coming back home, South Africa, we clearly are facing a very, very tough economic environment at the moment. And part of it would be the fact that the globe is not growing at a spectacular rate. But also we've had a number of our own challenges and own goals. Do you want to talk us through some of the the issues that the, the local economy faces? So really we have a lot of uncertainty i think this goes back to the confidence discussion which we which we had earlier and and a lot of that stems from the policy reform that we we need to see in this country going forward and and that's on multiple fronts things like land reform issues around the soes and stabilizing what we have there and then it's a broader context ease of doing business reducing the red tape visas but i think on the topic of soes might be worth to the spend biggie. a little bit more time on, on, on ESCOM. Really, there's not much more we can say from um, the piece we, we reported on earlier in the correspondent other than ESCOM reports shortly at the end of the month, and I think they will have a, a clearer view on, on what's happening. But what we did see was in the President's State of the Nation address that there has been more of a financial commitment towards ESCOM. We're expecting a special appropriations bill to come through, which will allow them to um, give ESCOM a little bit more financial support. And then hopefully ESCOM can address some of its leadership issues. And I think now that we're also on the topic of ESCOM, to just address why we haven't seen load shedding. And that's quite simply, in the winter months, demand continues to drop off. And they've been burning diesel, which um, has been in line with their strategy to, to keep the lights on. Okay, so, so we mustn't be fooled by the fact that we haven't had uh, power outages, load shedding. I, I think when we talk about ESCOM and the fact that if the support is front-loaded, the big concern is what impact it has on the, the country's balance sheet and the fiscal deficit. And, and in particular, we know that there's this looming Moody's downgrade risk facing to what extent should we actually even even still worry about that? So, so the first thing, what is the impact on the on the on the country's balance sheet? And secondly, should we even worry about a Moody's downgrade now? Uh, unfortunately, it's not a good one. We um, we estimate that an additional twenty billion rand support to ESCOM will likely move our fiscal deficit, or rather our main budget deficit, above six percent for the nineteen twenty fiscal year. And really, what that means is that our debt to GDP is likely to breach 60% over the, the next three years. Now, I don't think anyone's under the illusion that South Africa is an investment-grade country. If you look at our credit metrics relative to other peers, we simply do not stack up. So our base uh, Before I take you further, just maybe clarify the 60% level to the listeners. Why is that so important? Does it matter that it goes above 60? What makes the 60% significant is that that still excludes the SOE debt and the government guarantees, which are, which are not reflected in that number. And Moody's will undoubtedly take that into consideration as well, as they have previously indicated. So on an all-in basis, you have debt to GDP probably 8 9% higher than that. And now that starts to become quite significant in a world context. So that's really why the level is important. But Moody's has given us a lot of breathing room over the past few years. And they remain very cautious to, to downgrade us. So 
What we think we'll see is that over the next 12 months, we'll likely move to negative outlook. Would the downgrade be a train smash? Because if you look at where our bonds are trading at at the moment, one could argue that they're already trading in line or below where other sub-investment grade debt is trading. So while you may see an immediate reaction that is not so nice, is it, is it going to normalise at levels very different from what we're seeing in the, in the fixed income market right now? I think your, your view is completely correct. From a top-down perspective, our bonds already reflect some of the highest real yields in emerging markets. If you look at where South African sovereign credit trades to its emerging market peers, it has firmly been priced by the market as a sub-investment grade country. So I agree, while you may see some short-term reaction, bond levels moving much off the levels we see currently is probably unlikely. Bearing in mind that we also have an exceptionally liquid bond market in South Africa, and Traditionally, what you've seen in the past is that bond markets begin to price these type of events long before they actually happen. So you do start to move to levels which are reflective of the underlying risk. It's not a one-day event. We've talked about just what a challenging uh, environment that we're in in South Africa, policy perspective, SOEs, debt. Against this backdrop, how, how are we putting, our, our, putting together our fixed income portfolios, especially ones where we can actually take different um, allocations to the different asset classes within the fixed income spectrum? So, as we've discussed, from a, from a top-down perspective, our bonds might look attractive, given where real yields are and how risk is priced. But as bottom-up investors, we ultimately need to focus on that of our valuation. And we currently, the way we see bonds, slightly expensive, so we've been reducing into the rally. On inflation-linked bonds, we've actually increased some exposure to the short-dated government inflation linkers because the market seems to be currently underpricing inflation risk in that area. Credit has been a stellar performer over the past few years, offering strong returns, but that's really because of the strong spread compression that we've seen. And really, currently, the way we see credit is that spreads are not reflective of our fair value, so we've been lightening our exposure there. Property, as we spoke about earlier, that's we remain cautious on the sector, but there are individual names which offer value, and we've been selectively increasing our exposure there. And offshore, the offshore space, particularly in credit, has also been affected by this bid for risk assets around the world. So again, we've been selective in what offshore assets we, we take ex- exposure to. But currently, duration in the fund is sitting at about 0.88, and we remain cautious on our, on our outlook going forward. Yeah, so, so what I'm hearing is cautious outlook, still going to be tough to beat cash, and you've really got to have and drive evaluation discipline to pick up underlying securities that actually are going to compensate you for the inherent risk around. That's correct. Awesome. Thank you very much, Mara. Thank you. Good.